This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and today we are once again embarking on our journey through the history of the Pulse. If you've been listening, this has been a multi-episode series where we have kind of gone back to the very beginning to talk to Dave Elliott, one of the founders of the Pulse, about his story, about the Pulse's story, about the 25 plus years now that it has been going on and how things have changed and where they started and all that kind of stuff. Today, we are going all the way back to the beginning again, but this time we're going to hear the story from the perspective of the Pulse's other founding member, Tom McKenzie. Thank you, Tom, for coming on to the podcast to chat with me. I've been looking forward to hearing your story for a long time, so thanks for coming on. It's great to be here. It's great to meet you and great to be sitting in the uh, Pulse office yeah. in this amazing studio with you. Well, in a, a different office than than you're used to as well. You, you've seen many different iterations of the Pulse, uh, but this one is, is the newest. I'm sure you've been here before after it's been completed, but I know that it was only moved to its current position a couple of years ago. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about coming back into the county and all that kind of stuff, but I think the best place to start would be at the beginning. So let's go back in time and tell me just about yourself. Where did you grow up, Tom? I grew up in Appleton, Wisconsin, actually right outside, technically in the township of uh, Menasha on the north shores of Lake Winnebago. Uh, my parents had a three-acre property there with walnut trees in the backyard. We had shorefront. And so I grew up playing in the lake, sailing, canoeing, things like that, of the youngest of five. So I had a big family, uh, but they're all quite a bit older than me. So I, I almost felt like an only child after they all went off and went on to college and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting hearing you talk about growing up on the water because I know that that's such a huge draw up here. What, what was your Door County connection? Is this a place that you had been going to as a child or would you come here for the first time after college? My family has had big connections in Door County Going back, I would have to say probably 40s or something like that, when my uncle started uh, coming up here and I probably interning at the Peninsula Players, Jim McKenzie. He later went on to become the producer there, and my, my dad served on the board with him as, as their attorney and, and board member. So coming to Door County always meant going to the Peninsula Players, uh, usually opening night and seeing Jim, which was always really exciting as sort of a favorite uncle, kind of a magical guy, uh, as you can imagine, someone who spends that much time in the theater. Uh, always has a few stories to tell and a few tricks to share. So those are great memories. That shoreline, Peninsula Players, watching those productions with the bats flying around, everything captures a lot of great memories for me. And I spent a lot of time at that theater. I became a kid who really kind of got to know the actors, would climb around backstage. Hopefully it wasn't too disruptive. My apologies to any of the actors out there. Um, but I got a love there for the arts. I love there for Door County as my uncle, my cousin who worked there, introduced me to a lot of the people. And she was really invested in the community. Many, many people still come up to me and ask me about my cousin Amy, who spent many seasons acting at the Peninsula Players and still has a lot of loyal friends up here. 
what a cool way to be introduced to the county in one of the the big arts organizations. And Peninsula Players is great because they encapsulate a lot of those things that you think about when you think of Door County, right? You have the arts, the performance, the community that's there, but then there's also the property. You get a little bit of a nature preserve. You get the shoreline there. It kind of has uh, a little bit of everything that Door County has to offer just in one spot. Um, so I'm I'm envious of that like theater kid running around in the background, meeting all of these professional actors and, and doing all that kind of stuff. That sounds really fun. Yeah. As a kid, I got to act in a play there, too. I was in Larry Shoes, The Nerd. I guess I was probably about 11 at that time. So that was a real treat. Nice. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about coming back to Door County, but walk me through uh, going to college. You went to Lawrence, correct? Yes. And why Lawrence? Was, what, did you have plans going in, like, I'm going to major in this, or, or walk me through going to Lawrence? Could I back up just a little bit? Yeah. Uh, what high, comes before college? Uh, high school. Uh, so I went to Xavier uh, Catholic High School for a little while, and then I transitioned to Kakana High School. And it was really interesting having that perspective of both Catholic school and then a public high school. Both have informed me in so many ways. And after that experience, uh, I decided to take a year off. And it was during that time, I knew I wanted to travel a little bit, but I ended up not traveling too far. The money didn't go quite as far as as I thought. So I ended up enrolling in the community college, the Fox Valley Extension. And it was a great place to kind of tee up going to Lawrence right afterwards. I walked around on campus there and it felt very right to go there. So I applied and I got in. I felt very fortunate to spend my four years there. Did you have kind of a plan inset? Like when I think about my high school experience, I definitely got into theater in high school and then knew I was going to pursue theater in college. But I know most people get to college and they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And and some people don't figure that out until their junior year. Uh, what, what was your journey like in that regard? The liberal arts curriculum at Lawrence really appealed to me because I could go in with that being an open question. And I left it an open question for about as long as I could. And I had many, many good dialogues with my advisors over that time about making that decision making that decision thoughtfully. Finally, I landed on an English degree, and I also spent a lot of time in art classes. So it, kind of an informal minor, and then I studied abroad in Costa Rica for a trimester. Well, spoiler warning, uh, if you've listened to the other episodes, you already know that you're going to meet Dave Elliott and you're going to start working on this newspaper. Was that something that you had in your wheelhouse already before you got to Lawrence? Or is that something that you were picking up kind of with Dave after you did? Well, before we get there, how did you meet Dave? Well, I met Dave at Lawrence. We were just part of a, a similar friend circle. I think by junior year, many had moved out of the dorms and there were houses on campus. For, for those of us who didn't go Greek, there were a few houses that the theme houses that the campus offered. So I was in the outdoor recreation club house and he was next door in the AIDS awareness house. And uh, so we were neighbors and uh, our friends really enjoyed hanging out together and we got, you know, social that way. Did you two work on the college paper together at that time? We worked on a publication called Tropos, which was a poetry and art publication. 
you mentioned how you were kind of into the art scene in college as well. Was that where you were really focusing your time was on that part of it? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was writing poetry at that time and doing a lot of photography. So you were bringing that element to it. I know that when we talked to Dave, he, he basically kind of kickstarted the whole like technological revolution at, at Lawrence, trying to upgrade all of the, the processes, work on computers, do things digitally, that kind of thing. Well, he was doing that. I was, Influenced by my mother, who was her sort of second career, her encore career was really becoming a poet after having worked 19 years as an art therapist. So I think she was publishing her first or second book about that time. And I was getting to know her circle of friends, Ellen Court, who became the first poet laureate of Wisconsin, and just becoming interested in the oration of poetry and the performativeness of it. And one thing I did while I was at Lawrence, uh, while Dave was doing all the stuff with the paper, was I put together poetry and percussion performances where Dane Richardson and the percussion program at Lawrence would do a performance with Ellen Court while she read. And it was really beautiful. Those were, those were very memorable experiences, and we get to use the beautiful facilities in the conservatory at Lawrence for that. Yeah, jumping ahead a little bit, since you mentioned poetry, we still publish poetry in The Pulse today, and that's something that we've done since the very beginning, right? Was that your bringing that in? I think Dave and I both appreciated source publications from a long time ago where you would have more feature stories and alongside that, you'd have illustrations and bits of poetry. Places you still see that is, is kind of the New Yorker now, but you know, in, in the past, publications like Saturday Evening Post or something would have had a similar format and layout. So it always just seemed to be part of the, um, the constellation that we were trying to put together within the publication. So I don't think it was one idea or another's. It just seemed right for both of us. So after working on... Tropos for a while, uh, you approach graduation, and then what's the plan from there? I know that it wasn't an immediate jump to Door County to start a paper. There was some time in between. Uh, Walk me through post-graduation and how you and Dave kind of decided to come here and do this thing. Well, so that harkens to a story of pre-graduation in which I think it was was really time for us to talk about what we were going to do after college. And I remember specifically a few conversations at the AIDS Awareness House with a bunch of friends in a room, like, what are we going to do after college? You know, we have this liberal arts degree. It kind of primes you for grad school. You can go get entry level in places and places and kind of apply those skills that liberal arts education gives you of, you know, learning to learn and mastering things sort of on the job. So we had a lot of wild ideas flying about um you know, trying to open a hotel somewhere in another part of the world or something. And I had been coming up to Door County in summers to work since high school. And Dave had been doing that over college. And somewhere the idea got thrown out. Let's move to Door County and start a a publication. So that was probably a mind meld, you know, between his expertise in publications and my just like, you know, heart connection to Door County, that that seemed to really resonate. And quickly we went from, you know, these these kind of wild, whimsical ideas of what we could maybe try to do to something that, that felt more concrete. And we made a plan to, you know, I was going to go to Door County and work over the summer. Dave was going to go back to Massachusetts. We'd meet at the end of summer. 
I would have a place for us to, to live and have an office, and he would have a computer. Those were our first assignments. So and how did, how did that work out? It worked out. I mean, I, so Dave might have wanted more input on the location. Uh, our first location was up on Juice Mill Lane, which probably some people in, who live in Door County probably don't even know where that is. It's way up north of Ellison Bay uh, near Newport State Park and about 40 acres adjacent to the park. It was just gorgeous, pristine land, wide open space, and, you know, a small cabin <laughs> to house Dave and I and a St. Bernard and our computer and stereo and so on. You know, before we jump into the, the office and starting the, the Pulse Up, Dave wanted me to ask you about the time in between. And after you graduated, before you moved into the office, uh, what was your life like then? After I graduated and before we moved into the office... I was up here over the summer and teaching sailing. He had mentioned that you were uh, living in a tent in the woods. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, I just uh, was was checking myself if I wanted to disclose my, my status of homelessness, but I should be out there with it. Yes, I did not have a home at that time. I lived with a really good friend of mine, and, and we had a, a secret place in the woods. I'm not sure whose land it was, but it was a lovely, you know, little walk in and out. And um, we'd shower at the public docks, you know, where boat folks can get a shower. And uh, it was fantastic. I taught sailing and worked in restaurants and made it work. And by the end of the year, we, we had our place by the end of the summer. I'm glad that you said it was fantastic because he, the way he mentioned it, it sounded kind of romantic. And then when you said disclose my homelessness, I was like, uh Oh, I probably shouldn't have backed him into that question. So I'm glad, I'm glad that it was a good experience. That kind of more nomadic feeling before you finally settled down. Was this watch a scroll or was that office number two? So I don't remember the sequence. We had the place in Ellison Bay, and then I think Watch Us Grow was probably office number two. And then we briefly lived in a very nice house just at the, I think it's the confluence of Cottage Row and Cliff Road, just outside of Fish Creek with Ted Baumgartner. Hi, Ted. And then we had a place in Sister Bay on Maple yeah, I, I know that this place has moved around a lot. And finally, we're at a place where Dave does not have to sleep with his dog in the office. He has his own separate bedroom. But I know that that wasn't always the case, especially when you were starting out. Tell me about the the landscape here when you first kind of came here and decided to do this paper. Describe Door County of then from your perspective. And why did you think uh, a paper would be a good idea here? Or what niche were you trying to fill with it? Well, it was terribly exciting, as it always is, to work with Dave. And having that sense that we had a little bit of edge with the technology that we were working with and our ideas, they weren't completely new. You had a lot of shoppers and you had The Advocate, which was quite an esteemed paper at that point and respected across the board and some really tourist-driven publications. So I think that was the landscape that we were most attuned to is, you know, how does the pulse fit into these other publications or vehicles for connecting with the public at large who lives here and the tourists who come up and give this place uh, much of its economic lifeblood. And what was your perspective on the county at the time? Like, why did you want to be here 
for as long as you were. As I said, I, I had a magnetic draw to the county. So it felt really good to be here in the landscape. It felt nonconformist to not be in a city and take take one of those entry-level jobs and, and start that process of working up the ladder. So it was very exciting to be prototyping this idea that was really outside of that conventional box of what a lot of our friends were doing. A lot of our friends who were doing things like that or maybe buying their extra time, being in a band or something for a little while and trying to get away with a little extra time before they had to buckle down and get into the real world. Those were our first contributors. So I think before we, we always had a few community connections, but many of those also had to be built. So before we had a lot of them spread across the whole county. Uh, of course, I had strong ties to the players. We had strong ties to people and community wherever we had worked. And we worked in a lot of kitchens and so on and so forth. We visited a lot of bars and met people. So we, we had those communities, but there was still a lot more branching out. At that point, we weren't going to town hall meetings and trying to cover that kind of thing. Yeah, I know news wouldn't come for many years. Right. It really did start as a, what's cool and what's happening that's fun and where do we want to go? Where have we gone that we think is cool and we should tell people about? And what's coming up that we know people should go to so we can all hang out and share this thing together? Mm-hmm. Is that how you were tackling it from the beginning? The way we were tackling this project from the beginning was we were still absorbing and processing the intellectual experience of being at Lawrence and all that academia and all that opportunity to read the great works of literature, to sit around and talk about them and think about them. Um, We were starting to ask the questions, how do we take the parts of that approach that we really enjoyed engaging with and put it into this project where, you know, you're putting out a publication, you have a lot of latitude in terms of what goes in it. So as we met artists, as we met writers, as we met people that were excited about the idea of putting things out there for the community to take in and think about and digest, there was a spirit that generated and a community that generated and a culture that generated, I think, around putting out each issue. Mm. And how would you describe your role from issue to issue? What were you doing for each one? I was doing a lot of the interface with community from selling ads to distributing the paper. I'm a people person. It took me forever to distribute the paper because I would talk to anyone that I would see and just say, hey, look at look at what this is. Can we put this on your shelf? This is a great shop you got here. So, you know, we built awareness for, for what we were doing and we made connections and friends across the community. Walk me through the the first issue. So you you got this office, you've got this computer, you're starting to make these connections. What was the first issue like? Do you remember? I remember the picture that we took that ended up on the cover. But what I remember is that that wasn't necessarily what I thought the cover would be. It was a process of Dave hunkered over probably a shoebox full of photographs, flipping through and giggling and telling little jokes about this or that until he picked out that one and he said, this is the one we should run with. And uh, it's a funny picture because the perspective is all strange. What is the picture? Can you describe it? It's a picture of Charlie, the dog, the St. Bernard. She was a 140-pound St. Bernard. She lived with us up on Juice Mill Lane. She was kind of our mascot at the time. And Charlie's in the picture. I'm doing a handstand. And then another friend of ours, Derek Schumann, is is partially in the picture. And we're all in different planes of depth. But um, I think it was a an interesting 
cover because that sense of disorientation, I think, was what, in a good way, people felt when they first saw it, you know, in some place at the the gas station or the bar or the restaurant that they were frequenting. Here was this publication in full color with a picture across the whole front. Not There wasn't more than, you know, 20 words of text across the whole cover. So it was a very different thing. It was sort of louder and more in your face and more about the experience of what it feels like to have a blissful day in Door County than how some of the other mastheads stood out at you that were sitting next to it. I love this idea of young people and young energy just trying to put work out into the world, right? Just trying to create something. And it doesn't have to come from a a rigid structure or, well, this is how it's supposed to be, so let's fit into these boxes. It's just a lot of energy that bubbles to the surface and it's like, yeah, that's cool. I want to put that there. And by its very nature, the fact that it's created by young people it has that energy to it and it's compelling for other young people. And so if, if you're a young person in Door County looking for something cool to do, the pulse is the one that speaks to you the most because it's the one that's coming from or when it was in, in when it was created. I mean, I'm sure it does that still now, even though it's evolved. But back when it first started, like that would be the publication that I would pick up to check out the thing because I know that like, oh, people that I hang out with, like my friends are featured in this and I want to know what they're doing. So there's that collective, you know, right there. You build that audience of young people early on and then 25 years later when they're in their, you know, 40s, and they've got kids and they're up here still, you still have that readership, right? You, you build that audience young. I think it's, I work in arts education now. I think it's never a bad bet to focus as an older person on making authentic connections with youth. And we were part of the youth. We weren't that much older at that point. But to really provide platforms for youth voice and so and youth perspective, And I think it's always going to be different. It's always going to be a little jarring. It's always going to be a little unexpected and refreshing. And so I'm glad to hear you say that, you know, you think it accomplished some of those things. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't around in Door County. I was very young, 25 years ago. I was three. Um, So (laughs) I, I wasn't a part of that. But hearing about it and hearing the way that you and Dave and Miles have talked about those early issues and how they were energized in that way, right? I I don't want to say like slapdash or by the seat of your pants, but they, that is the nature of young people making work often is just doing it without having the, the structure in place. And so that is compelling to me, right? And continuing to focus on what do young people want to do? What do young people want to see? It's weird for me because I am a young person, but I don't feel like I am. So Miles is like, we need to, you know, we need to put content in there that's compelling for young people. And I'm like, yeah, what do young people like? Even though I'm 27. (laughs) So I'm glad that you said that. Well, and by encouraging young people and giving a platform for young people, you also had the opportunity to take advantage of some young people like Miles and get free pizza from him, right? (laughs) Nobody got paid for the first five years, as I recall. It was a community effort. I learned and evolved, certainly, my skill at and learned from and with Dave about how to create a community, really, of volunteers who all wanted to see this take shape for the community and that voice, you know, come to fruition. So I just want to express right now just a an enormous debt of gratitude, 
and to everyone who who helped make it happen. I think we made it fun. We always tried to. Um, and I think we made it exciting for people to see their whether it's their writing, their photography, their artwork, their poetry, just their their likeness, maybe server of the week featured with a silly poem in the pulse. So so thank you to this community for creating a publication, creating a newspaper is only creating a vessel and then the community gives you the content. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember some of the first contributors in that first issue? I have a list of some of the columns and everything that was in there. If you if you want to walk down memory lane. Yeah, I think Neil Gallagher may have contributed one. Yeah, why don't you why don't you give me the the, sure. the low, lowdown because I haven't page through it in a little while. Yeah, uh, I have that there was a column titled Subway Evangelism written by Don Cheeks Jones. Don Jones. Hi, Don. I have a kayaking column called Wet Exit by Phil Arnold. Dr. Phil. Golf column called Greener Side by Chris Fuzzy Hannaway. The second Fuzzy in Door County? Was he was he known as Fuzzy as well? Yeah, or Hannaway. Either one. There was a, a band of the week. The first one was the Brooker Band. Which Chris was in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was uh, four poems, a short story, and a review of Tom Robbins' novel, Half Asleep in Frog Pajamas. And was that by Kristen DeHate? I, I don't have the author on here, okay. but I would trust your recollection of it. So that was the first issue. How did it feel to put that together and then put it out into the world? Well, just, just hearing you go through that, I'm remembering it was great to put that group of amazing people together in one space, even though it was, you know, on a page, it almost felt like a collaborative process, you know, working with those voices. And I would say as much as that created a a very fun and interesting and unexpected thing to read, I mean, literally, it must have seemed like it came right out of left field for many people that had just had no context for it. But the other thing uh, that's part of the collaborative of that first issue are the advertisers. I'd love to go back and try to remember who actually advertised in that first issue. Yeah, I I don't have the advertisers, but I do have that you had five advertisers in the first issue. Yeah. Which, when you think about how many we have nowadays, that's wild to think of. But at the same time, five unique advertisers for your first issue is great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think the players were one of the first? I think they were. Yeah. (laughs) First, and then I know Dano's Pizza came along, not on the first issue, but shortly after. And that was the pizza deal, if I if I remember correctly. <laughs> I'm sure Leroy's Coffee was in there, which was a, it was a non cash, yeah, trade. Yeah, and that was the place to go for story ideas at that time, wasn't it? It was our salon. Yeah, yeah. We will, as we continue on with this series, we'll go into you know the following years and that kind of thing. But as we're wrapping up today, is there anything else about the first issue or meeting Dave or anything from you know that first part of the puzzle? that we haven't talked about that you think is important for folks to know? Well, I I just want to say this has been really fun because I think what we've done here today is talked about like a a toolkit for for starting up a really wild and fun project. The way you put people together, the way you reach out to community, the way you kind of grab attention and build awareness for yourself and do something daring. So maybe it's a little bit inspiring for folks that want to uh, see something in their community that's not there, particularly young folks. So hopefully um, this has been enlightening. Yeah, I I have just a couple questions kind of to cap this off too, since we're talking now 25 years later. You have spent a lot of time in Door County, (laughs) but you've also spent a lot of time elsewhere, right? You've lived in Los Angeles for how many years now? 20 
And now you're back. You've been here, what, six weeks you've been hanging out? Uh, just over a month now. Yeah. And, yeah. and what has that been like? What's it been like to come back and, and see this place now again for an extended period of time? I'm not like trying to be too jokey here, but literally we got in the car, we started it up in Los Angeles and we drove all the way to Door County. So uh, a lot of time to reflect on the destination and all the places between here and there. And it, it's a marvelous country to travel across and kind of a, a fun way to go in these pandemic times. So it's fun to come here. I always enjoy coming to Door County. I say that totally sincerely. It still has that draw for me. One of the big things is that I'm here to see my father, who's 93. He's down in Appleton, but I position myself here in Door County because it is that important to me, and yet it's striking distance to get a lot of time with my father as well. Uh, I will say that I, I note many changes. I see a lot of development, which can conjure a lot of feelings. I know that's a hot-button issue for many people, but I, I'm not thinking about it in the moment like, oh, what's lost? What's here now? I'm thinking about it in where that's going and what it means for the future of this community. And I've been living in a metropolis, another very county-centric place. Um, Los Angeles County is like 10 million people. I work for that county. And I think that even though it's such a radically different place, we're all evolving together. And there's a lot of comparable things to think about as we think about the future of a place like this. Things like transportation, things like, you know, health, uh, lifespans, education. Yeah, higher education or a sense of kind of academic voice in the community and what's the role of that. Uh, these are all big questions that I think are really interesting to think about uh, when you think about where Dork County is headed. Yeah. You talk about like your perspective of LA and your perspective of Door County, having spent so much time in both of them, I'm sure that they're in conversation with each other, right? And the way you view LA is painted by your experience in Door County and vice versa, right? And, and I'd, I'd be interested to, to think about like the three different ways that they uh, talk to each other, right? So there are certain things in LA uh, that you don't think about here at all. Then there are things here that you didn't think about but are starting to think about when you talk about like public transportation, things like that. Those are things that as the infrastructure builds out in Door County and as things progress, those are questions that we need to start having that maybe we weren't having 25 years ago. And then there are questions that are the same. There's kind of those three different levels on the spectrum of, yeah, this is exactly the same as we do it in LA. It's just, you know, a different paradigm maybe. But yeah, I, I think that that's cool to have those two big home bases in your life and to be able to to think about them and how they affect your opinions of both. Thanks. <laughs> I, I didn't have a question there. I yeah, just, I, I was waiting. I was, just, I was like, okay. No, okay. I was just kind of thinking about it on my own. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think we'll wrap up today, Tom. I do have one last question from Dave. He wanted me to ask you to describe your first car in Door County. I don't think I had the Buick Electra 225 and 71 Buick up here. I think that was when I was in high school. But by the time I got up here, I had a, I received another car from my father who would sometimes work on estates. And so he'd find these gems in 
you know, somebody's garage that hadn't been touched for 20 years or whatever. So this was another one he had acquired that way and, and handed down to me. It was a duster. Is it Plymouth? I'm trying to remember who made the duster. I've never Plymouth, heard of a duster. Plymouth duster, I believe. Uh, beautiful. Another just <laughs> green car. I'm trying to imagine what the, what, how to describe. Pea green car. All right. Yeah. And uh, that was a car we used to, it, it had these big, it kind of rode high in the back. And we would go down and pick up all the papers. And at that time, all the papers could fit in the trunk of the duster. Wow. And uh, it had a slant six on it, so it kind of moved. And the papers would just weigh it down, so then it would almost be like nose up. And uh, bring that thing all the way up with all the papers in it. And, uh, yeah, there's a picture out there by the common area of Dave and I looking at one of the very first issues, kind of leaning up against the duster. And that's a, that's a good nostalgic picture for me. Yeah, Dave, uh, Dave has mentioned cars a couple of times, and we haven't gotten into it. But did you have the cool cars and he had the not cool cars? Is that how it worked out? He had stuff like, you know, the black Jetta and uh, the Isuzu Trooper. I mean, he had cool cars in a kind of a prep school way. And sure. I had like cool cars that were like, you know, collector's item found in some garage somewhere. So I mean, we both had cool cars in our own way. But yeah, we always came at things with a little bit different perspectives and aesthetics. And I think that's part of what made it work. Great. Well, thanks again, Tom, for coming through and walking me through all the way up to the first issue of The Pulse. Next time, we're going to sit down with you, myself, and Dave, and we're going to talk uh, even more about the early days of The Pulse. I'm really looking forward to that. Awesome. This was great, Andrew. Thanks so much. Great. I'm looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.